Well, grab your Bibles and go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're still continuing our study through the book of 1 Timothy. And so, last week we saw what, the, what Christians and what Christian leaders should be doing to set the example for those, that are, for, for those of us that are around us, we should be setting the example. So there should be, as Christians, we should look different, amen? There should be a, a very clear distinction that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that was last week in the text he, we saw Paul write to Timothy. He said, listen, set the example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So that was last week's text. And this week, Paul continues to instruct Timothy in what he should be doing and what the church should be doing and what it should look like inside of the church. And so what we're supposed to be doing in our corporate worship services. So we see here the first thing in our text this morning is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Paul says this, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So this is the first thing we see out of the gate is this is what I want you to do until I come. Now, why is he saying until I come? This means Paul is not there. Paul's writing this letter, but he has not made it to Timothy. But he has reiterated over and over again throughout the text until I get there. Do this. I, I want to be with you. I want to be next to you. He's very clear that he's on his way and he has a desire to see him. He has a desire as a spiritual father to come and invest in Timothy and in that community. He longs and wants the church to help the church thrive. He wants to see the church become what it's supposed to be. We, as a church culture, have a need for older church fathers in the faith to invest in our communities. This is why it is so important for us to be listening to preachers who are faithfully preaching the text. They're not telling stories. They're not, they're not telling jokes. They're preaching the word. Listen, this is not a showboat for the saints. This is a battleship for believers. And we, we had better, this week I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine. He said, listen, we better be locking shields with our brothers and sisters for what's coming. We need to get prepared for what is coming down the pike. This is why it is so important for us as believers to be honed into and listening to preachers and teachers who stay true to the word. This is our source of encouragement for those who are serving in the church. And it's a warning for those who are causing problems. So you've got an encouragement for those that are in the church serving and doing what they're supposed to. But it's also a warning for those who refuse to follow what the word of God has. So he says here, until I get to you, here's what I want you to do. Until I get to the church, here's what I, I'm I'm imploring you as my spiritual son to do these things. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. The Greek word for this idea of devote means to commit yourself to attend and watch closely and to make a priority. 
So it is a, you're devoted to this idea. Devoted to the idea of what? Public reading of Scripture. He did not say the private reading of Scripture. This is the reason we read the text out loud. We don't just say, okay, everybody read it to yourself and then I'll preach. We have the public reading of Scripture. It is incredibly important to make sure that we are reading this out loud for the saints to be able to hear. The, the Greek phrase for this idea of, of public means the recognition and the reading of Scripture in corporate church gatherings. We are to read the text out loud and we need to hear the word being read out loud. We read it with our lips and we need to hear it with our ears. R.C. Sproul once wrote that reading the scripture out loud in worship has several advantages. First, to help the congregation become more acquainted with the context of the word of God. And second, the reading of the Bible aloud to God's people guarantees that they will hear divine truth. I want you guys to hear something. The only part of my sermon that is absolutely 110% perfect is when I read the scriptures. That's it. My, my exegeting the text is not perfect. You know what's perfect? The Bible. Brother Sproul continues in his quote, Even if the preacher has an off week or inadvertently delivers a mistaken teaching, having the scriptures read aloud in the service ensures that the Lord's flock receives God's truth and can be encouraged to heed that word. Woo! Not, you're not, this, this isn't thus saith Caleb. This is thus saith the Lord. So, we also see in the Old Testament... That the reading of the text out loud was something that caused men and women to truly see God for who he was. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, starting in verse 10, he says, And Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, at a set time in the year, to release, at the, at the release of the Feast of Booths, when all Israel came to appear before the Lord, your God, in the place that he will choose, you shall read the law before all Israel. And in their hearing, assemble the people, men, women, little ones, the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of the law. And that the, their children who have not known it, may hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as they live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So even the small children, this, this is the reason I am pro having kids in service. You say, well, what if they're noisy? Praise God. Praise God. I'd rather have a church full of noisy kids than no, church, no kids at all. So, it's a priority to read the scriptures out loud to the people of God. So this is why it is important for us to do this. To open it up and say, this is what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. So we see it not only in the Old Testament, but we see it in the New Testament. Now, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures. Along with just reading it, we're called to do something with that text. We're to devote ourselves to the exhortation and to teaching. Exhortation means to urge someone to do something that is serious or seriously needed. I, as a pastor, must implore you 
That God's word is serious and we need to take it seriously. And we need to follow the commands of God. It is a holy urging is what the Greek says. A holy urging is to be used directly to motivate and inspire believers to carry out his plan. Delivering his particular message to someone specific. Who's someone specific? If you're sitting in the room, you're the one who is the specific person. So we're to devote ourselves to the out loud deliverance of the Holy Scriptures. And we're to do it with a holy urging to help people understand that God's message is the plan for their lives. You want to know what God has for you? Well, oh, man, I would, I would love to know what God has for me. Fantastic. Open your Bible. Open your Bible. It's, it's right there. What should, well, what should I do with my life, Caleb? Well, the Bible tells you what to do right here. Until I get here, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Well, that seems really easy. I know, but we don't do it often, do we? So we've got to devote ourselves to these things. The urging, this, this urging is a conjunction it's it's to be correlated with the reading of scripture so i'm to read the scripture and then i'm to compel you i'm to urge you this is what you should be doing follow god's word and thirdly we we are to vote to devote ourselves to not just the exhortation but the teaching this is a moment and an opportunity for some teaching. Now, I'm not a, a college professor, and a, a sermon should not be a college lecture. It, it should not be. It should be, un, it should be different than that, but there should be definitely some teaching in it. There should be an urging, but there should also be, hey, here's what proper doctrine looks like to, to be meted out. We, we are to instruct the church in, in the proper study of God's word, the proper theology, proper doctrine. These, these are vitally important. These are vitally important for a church's health. A church that is not going through the text and they're just sort of kind of, the pastor gets up in its story hour, that's not a healthy church. Like I said, the only time that this place has got solid Theology is when I'm reading this. If I'm not anchoring myself and basing myself in this book, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. These are things that we ought to be doing at our church right now in 2023. Now, not just, not just doing them, but we're to devote ourselves to these things. If a church is just haphazardly throwing out teaching without digging deep into the scriptures, we're going to be held to an account the church will be held to an account. The pastor will be held to an account. Reading the scriptures out loud, number one. Number two, urging people to understand God's commands. Number three, teaching the proper doctrine and theology in order that they understand who God is and what God demands. Like, that's why we come here, so you can know what God demands of you, because God does have demands on us. There's no such thing as God just has unconditional love. His love has conditions. <gasps> really, Caleb? Where do you find that? All throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. Those who love me will keep my commands. That, that's all throughout the text. Next thing we see in the text in verse 14. Do not neglect the gift you have. 
which has been given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Do not neglect the gift that you have. Don't neglect the gift that's been given to you, Timothy. So Paul's telling Timothy here, listen, Pastor Timothy, do not neglect these truths that have been handed to you, that have been placed into your hands, that when the elders laid their hands on you and prayed over you, you've got a gift of teaching. Now do it. You'll find it later in the text in 2 Timothy, the second letter, he commands, he says, listen, you'd better in the presence of God and in the presence of Jesus, preach the word. It gives him very clear indication here. Do these things. Don't neglect these things. Do not neglect these things because your people need to hear these things. Your people, are, listen, we had better be teaching our people what it means in the word of God as if their lives depended on it because your life does depend on it. Period. Your life depends on what's in this text. And listen, in 10,000 years, it will not matter what you've been doing all throughout the rest of your life. If you don't have this nailed down, you're in trouble. If you don't know who Jesus is and what he demands for your life, you're going to have a problem. You've got to know that you know. You say, well, Caleb, how do I get there? What do I do? You've got to open the book. You've got to read it. Hannah, I love it. Um, last night, Hannah sent Jamie a text. Jamie sent her in the mail this notebook that digs down in the each verse and splits up these verses in like word by word in this, in this little study for her. And breaks down the text in, basically in, in every single word. And Hannah said, I looked up and I've been working on this for two hours. Like, that's how we do this. We get in and we study these things and we, we dig down into the wording of this to understand it. If you knew that there were, it, listen, if there, if there was some sort of a manual that we, get, we gave out. We said, hey, listen, we're giving out this little, this little booklet. And in this booklet, if you can decipher these words and figure it out, every word has a, has a blessing of $10,000. If you could decipher and figure out each one of these words. Man, how many of us would be in there? All right, hold on. Let me splice this together. Let me get my pen out. Let me find out. Let me get a dictionary. Let me figure out what this word means. Let me get this. Listen, every single one of these words are divinely inspired by God himself. Theophanuscus. It's God breathed out on the pages of scripture. And every word has an, a meaning for you. Has a meaning for me. And we need to be taking it serious. So don't neglect these things. Don't neglect these things. Let these truths get into your mind and into your heart and let them go out to your people. That's what Paul's telling Timothy here. And then verse 15, he tells him, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Practice what things? Reading of scripture exhorting and teaching practice these things well Caleb I'm not very good at it well what's that old adage if you're not good at something go practice like Lane's here he's Lane you've been playing ball how's that thumb brother it's pretty bad 
It's, it's broke, if you didn't know. He broke his thumb playing ball. But listen, if he never goes out and practices, if Lane never practiced, if, if Nicholas never, if these guys never went out and practiced these, these games that they play, they'd be not, like, listen, nobody would want to go watch them because they're not, like, it'd just be like me and Darren getting out there to play. It'd be awful. My wife just said, speak, speak for yourself. Wow. Wow. Now I know. So we're called to practice these things. We're told to get in there and we, get, we, are, we're to, we're not, we don't just go out and just play the game. We practice. That's the reason these guys that are playing ball, they practice and they practice and they practice. And they practice. Why? Because when you get on the field, when it counts, you know what to do. And listen, why do we get in and we read and we study and we prepare for these things and we study the word? Why? Because when you get on the field, you're going to need to know the truth of God's word to be able to combat the evil that is going to come at you. And so, listen, Satan doesn't take a day off. Neither should you. Well, all right, Caleb, you mean, I, you mean after I leave here, I need to open the Bible tomorrow and maybe even tonight and then Tuesday and Wednesday? Yes. Yes. Open the word and read it for yourself so that you know. Listen, you come in here and be like, hey, Caleb, listen, wait a second. I was reading this week and what you said, right? You got to know these things because listen, just because I say it doesn't mean it's true. It's true because God's word says it, period. So practice these things. Practice reading scripture. Practice looking it over, dissecting the theology. That's, that's the important thing. What do you say next? Immerse yourself in these things. So that they may all see your progress. You go all in. Immerse means to cover yourself in. Just to overflow. Like you just literally, you get it. Like I, I think of a swimming pool. I think of a swimming pool. How many in the summertime, you go swimming. And you first put your foot in the water. It may be just, as I've gotten older, I used to just dive in and just jump in. As I've gotten older, I take the stairs in. Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right, got a couple. As you step in to the water, sometimes anybody? Oh, that's cold. Oh, oh, it's cold, right? It's a shock to the system. When you first get into the Word of God, it may shock your system because it is countercultural to what your nature wants. Your nature wants to gratify its sinfulness. And God's Word says, pursue holiness, not unrighteousness and we're like oh it says love your enemy oh i don't want that one i don't want that one do good to those who persecute you oh man worship the lord your god with everything in you love the lord your god with your heart with your soul your might everything about you every fiber of your being must love the lord your god so immerse yourself as you get as, as you get into the swimming pool after you've been in it a little bit, it starts to feel normal, right? You're like, oh, this is, this is nice. I like this. As we begin to immerse ourselves in God's word, we begin to feel different. We begin to see the world differently. And it's not shocking. But the, Now listen, the world may think you're weird. And I heard this week Steve Lawson said, when the world stops thinking you're weird, you've, you've no longer stand on biblical truth. 
The world should think you are a little bit different. They should think you're a little bit odd. Because we are countercultural. We are not of the world. We are aliens. Everybody's talking about aliens. You're looking at one. We're all, if you're a believer in Christ, you are not of this world. You're an alien. You're different. They should look at you like a green-headed, just weird-eyed dude. They should look at you crazy. What? What? What do you mean, love your enemies? What? You're supposed to get even. No. You're supposed to bless them. Shut up and take your blessing. I'm going to stick to my notes. You've got to immerse yourself. Go all in. And listen, I can tell you right now, you can never outdo God's word. You cannot get to a point where you say, well, you know what, I've, I've read enough Bible. Then you're not reading it correctly. You will never, listen, if you live to 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, you will not be able to plumb the depths of Scripture in that length of time. There is enough information, enough truth that you have a lifetime to dig into this thing and you won't even touch half of it. Whew. Don't be like so many in other churches that skim the surface. It's time for us as believers to go deep to see what God has for us. And why do we do this? So that they may see your progress. People should see your progress in the faith. If you're too busy to get deep with God, you need to trim some of the other things out of your life so that you can go deep with God. And I can promise you, there will be a day where you will regret doing all of the other things you're doing and you've neglected God's word. You've neglected God's word. Caleb, you don't understand. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Trim some of that trash out. Get rid of some of that stuff. People in your life should see progress in your spiritual growth. They should know that something is different and that you're maturing in your faith. That's what should be going on. And if you're immersing yourself in God's word, it, will trans it literally will transform you into a different person. You will change. You will chase after things that the rest of the world says, what? wait a second. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because I've been bought with a price. Christ died on the cross and he bought me with his blood. So I don't, listen, I am all in. I am all in. I'm going to follow him till the day I die. And then verse 16. It says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teachings, on the doctrines that you have. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he's, Paul's telling Timothy, persist in these things. Keep a close watch on your doctrine. Do not get squishy in your doctrine. Do not get jellyfishy in your theology. Don't turn into these weird, crazy TV preachers that are in it for the, the money and the fame. Because listen, last I checked... The guys in the book in here didn't get a book tour. They got a prison cell. And listen, that's, you think, 
Well, we live in 2023. We're modern, sophisticated. You mean you, you think that they're going to arrest preachers? Yep, they already are. There was a guy that got arrested during COVID for just doing what we're doing. They had a worship service. And the cops came in Canada and they arrested this guy. He got out last week. He's been in jail since 2020. What was his crime? He gathered and worshiped. He took God's word seriously and said, we will not neglect to meet together. And when they came to his door and arrested him, they actually arrested him in the street. He wasn't even, they actually weren't even in the church service. He was in a street and they arrested him in the street and took him and put him in prison. And he's been in prison. He just got out last week. Don't think that that's not coming for us as believers. So you've got to keep a close eye on your doctrine because, listen, that surface level jellyfish, evangelifishy junk that's out there isn't going to get us through the hard times. What's going to get you through difficult seasons is knowing and plumbing the depths of God's word. Golly, I'm telling you, keep a close watch on yourself and then persist in this. Because if you do so, because if you do so, what? You will save both yourself and your hearers. This means keep a very close watch and be ready, be ready, be ready. My, listen, my job as your pastor is to get you to safety. Because we live in a dangerous world. We live in a crazy fallen sin-filled world and it's my job as your pastor to get you to safety back in the early 2000s i was inducted into the fellowship of the red bandana by a dear brother of mine named dave melhoff i was in his living room and he inducted me into the fellowship of the red bandana and i said what in the world is that so he proceeded to tell me about the fellowship of the red bandana um, on 9-11, there was a guy named Wells Crothers. He was on the South Tower of the World Trade Center. And the plane had struck the tower, and it was just carnage in the tower. I mean, just smoke, couldn't see, broken walls, broken beams, just everything was messed up. It just, it was awful. Upon finding a way out, Wells Crothers found a door that led to a stairwell that took them past all of the, the debris, all of the carnage, all of the, the, the evil that was in that place. And he found a stairwell that got him down to the bottom and got people out. Now, Wells could have easily just said, you know what? I found my way out. I'm gone. But he didn't. He pulled out his red bandana and he covered his face and he, to get, keep the smoke and the junk out of his face. And he came back in, and the reports go like this. He came in and he said, follow me. I know the way out. I will lead you to safety. Then he led survivor after survivor after survivor after survivor into the stairwell and got them into the stairwell and said, go this way. As so many people were going down, Wells Crothers was going up to get people to safety. This is the challenge of this text. 
Keep a close watch on your doctrine. Do not have false doctrine in the pulpit because so many are being led astray. Be the man who says, I have found the way out and is in, the way out is in Christ Jesus alone. And we must, we must implore people. I know the way out. I'll lead you to safety. I'll lead you to safety. Keep a, walk, keep a close watch on yourself and on your doctrine. Persist in these things so by that you will save both yourself and your hearers. The challenge is we're looking for men and women who are willing to go up while everyone else is going down. To rescue men and women and lead them to safety, the safety of the cross of Christ. And the fellowship of the red bandana is offered to men and women who are willing to train, serve, and make a sacrifice to engage every man and woman in America with the credible offer of Christ and to rescue and to grow in Christ. That's the challenge. Are you willing to say, are you willing to, to study in such a way that if, you, if somebody needed to find a way to safety, the safety of Calvary's cross, would you be able to get them to that place? Well, I don't know, Caleb. Maybe. Oh, we are, the harvest is ripe. There are men and women who are in Cedarvale, Kansas, are going to hell. And what are we doing? Not even looking. This morning, so my plan originally, I have, this is not my original bandana. My original bandana is tied to one of my backpacks that I carry. And it's a witnessing tool that I use when people say, why do you have, you, you part of a gang? No. No. Let me tell you about what this is. This, I'm part of a fellowship. I'm not part of a gang. I'm part of a fellowship. So I forgot that. As I left this morning, I forgot my, my bandana. So I, I pulled into the family dollar in Caney, Kansas. And I asked Susan if she had any red bandanas. She was at the cash register. She couldn't leave. I just started talking to her, asked her how I could pray for her. She unloaded. I gotta get to church. Well, I'm having church in the family dollar. Hold on. I'm looking at my wife through the window and she's gotta get the donuts to church. I know. Hang on. And she's unloading this stuff. And I said, how, as, and she goes, no one's ever asked how they could pray for me. This is just, I just need prayer for a lot of stuff. I said, can I pray for you right now? She goes, oh, yes, please do. All right, game on. If I, if I say, if, I, if I'm picking this up, listen, I've got, I know how to get there. I know what to do. I know how to find, I, I fo follow me, I know the way out, I can lead you to safety. I know the one who is the Savior. Keep a close eye on your doctrine. Keep a close eye on what you're teaching. Keep a close eye on what you're believing. Because it matters. It matters what you're teaching. It matters what you believe. Your theology matters. Are you willing today? As Christians in this room, to stand and say, we will devote ourselves to the public reading of scriptures, that we will devote ourselves to exhortation, that we will devote ourselves to solid teaching, but that we will not neglect these gifts that have been given to us as believers.
but I will go until he comes. I will preach until I have nothing left. I will give and sacrifice until I have nothing else to give and sacrifice. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me the strength to do what I need to do to impact the people I interact with on a regular basis. That's what we need. That's what you need to be doing. Caleb, this, is, this seems hard. It, for those that are without the Holy Spirit, you're right. It's, it, it's not just hard. It's impossible. But if the Holy Spirit goes before us, if the Holy Spirit empowers us, we can do all things. Now listen, I'm not using that verse out of context. That I can do all things that are in Christ who strengthens me. We like to use that for our business, you know, all these other crazy things. Christ gives you the strength to share Christ. The Holy Spirit gives you the strength to do the difficult task of sharing the gospel with those who need to hear the gospel. Amen? And so, what should we be doing? We should be devoting ourselves to these things. We should be practicing these things. You know, sometimes I, I, in the early years of me sharing my faith, I, I had a class that I taught, a Sunday school class, and we went through the way of the master teaching. And we literally practiced on how to share the gospel with people. Like we did role playing in the classroom. We're like, all right, I'm a lost person. You're a Christian. Share the gospel. Let's go. And so we trained people on how to do this. And then you know what we did? We got done with the class. I took people to the mall. It was a college class, high school and college class. I took these young bucks and young ladies, and we went out in two, pairs of two and three people. Now go get them. Talk about all, and then come back and let's talk about what, what we did. Let's get outside of the walls and go do some of this stuff and then come back and talk about what we did. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's encroaching on my comfort zone. Good. Good. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We've been, we've been lulled to sleep in America. It is time for America to wake up to the truth of the gospel. We need this more than ever today. We need to have a revival of our hearts. God, revive our hearts to the truth of your word. Wake us up. Immerse ourselves in these things so that we get just second nature. It's just second nature. Just like breathing. We know how. To, nobody has to teach you to breathe. You just know. That's what it should look like for a believer. To persist in these things in such a way that you have the, the strength, the power, and ability by the Holy Spirit to do these things in the places where you are. And I'm telling you, that's how we change the world. Small, incremental places where we go, the grocery store, the, the gas station, the, the, the school, the office. We do these things in small, incremental areas. We were built by God to conquer. We were built by God to, to rule in the name of Christ. And, we, and what, are we, what are we ruling in the power of? The kingdom of God. We don't, we're not ruling, listen, I'm not building the kingdom of Caleb. I'm building and I'm pursuing God's kingdom and God's calling for our life. That's what we should be doing. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.